Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Tuesday morning. We have all your NBA offseason action right here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Andrew Schlecht, joined by James Edwards, and I'm also pushing buttons behind the scenes. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage from this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding to receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a week. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite team. So go to theathletic.com slash daily ding to receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a week. Coming up on today's show, more NBA draft content. James, you contributed to a beat writer mock draft that dropped on Monday. Tell us a little bit about the top of this draft and how you predict it will shake out. Yeah, I mean, it could go many different ways. My gut tells me that the players that we've mocked at the top of the draft will be pretty much the same. I guess maybe the big question is who's going to be making those picks. Yeah. Obviously, Minnesota and Golden State are both two teams that, I mean, from reports and especially here at the Athletics, seem very willing to trade the top two picks. Um, whether there are other teams have interest enough in this draft and at the top of the draft to, to move up is another question. But, I mean, Anthony Edwards is a guy that, with all of his flaws, the, the lack of defense, the, the low motor on that end, um, the shot selection – he does have high upside. He athletically, physically, he's an NBA player. He can score. Um, he can score in a few different ways. So I, I would anticipate him still being in the top three. Lamelo Ball. I know there's been a lot of smoke with him dropping. It just seems um, a little too strategic with all the talk that's gone on with him. That mm-hmm. I, I would be surprised with his upside if he falls out of the top five. Uh, Denny Avija playing over in. Uh, Macab Tel Aviv. I, I think he's a guy that's a lock for a top five, just a creative forward who can put the ball on the floor. Questions about his shooting, but he does fit the modern game. So uh, there are a lot of questions at the top of this draft, which is why so many pundits, scouts, experts kind of um, don't get too excited about this class. Uh, but there are some enough guys that I think could be longtime role players um, stick in the NBA from maybe even pick 10 to the late 20s. Yeah. Uh, I think there are, are some interesting players in the, in that range. Yeah. You'd almost prefer to be there because you, yeah. <laughs> you you look at the top five guys and it is almost too easy to talk yourself out of almost all of them. Like Anthony Edwards. Like you talked me out of him just in your little spiel right there. I'm like, yeah, doesn't play defense, <laughs> bad shot selection. No, thanks. <laughs> you know, he's we're talking about him at number one. And yeah, he could be J.R. Smith or he could be Dwayne Wade. You don't know. Yeah. And then, like, James Wiseman, there's a lot of hype around James Wiseman today about him being the number one pick in the draft. It's like, oh, man. Like, we've been here before, guys, with, like, picking a big guy at number one, right? Like, we've yep. we've seen this story before. And I, I just don't know that he's any different. I mean, to me, if you're going to take a big guy, even in the top three, like, he has to be Joel Embiid, right? Where it's like, okay, yeah. this guy could be your number one offense and defense. With James Wiseman... I just I don't even know if there's enough information out there to know that he could be either one of those. No, that's a great point. I'm with you. If you're going to take a big in the top three, he has to be your focus offensively and an elite rim protector defensively. And Wiseman might, I mean, it very well could be an elite rim protector. Mm-hmm. But I don't, aside from the information and the limited film we have on him, when you talk to people, you don't get the sense that they're um, that they're willing to put money on him becoming a – and a uh, high-end offensive fixture 
at the next level. And I, I'm with you. You don't take bigs. It's kind of like the running back in the NFL, yeah. right? Like it's just a a dying breed. If you and it seems like when when they talk about unicorns, they always it's always these big guys like the Porzingis's and the Embiid's and the Giannis's that are able to do things offensively. So when you do find one, yes, you 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 gobble them up and you get them at number one. But if there's no offensive upside, I just don't see how the value in taking that person in the top three. I'd rather gamble on a a six eight wing or a point guard with just the way that the game is played today. Yeah, I'm the same way. I got, I would feel it'd feel a little weird if he went before Lamelo. And I'm I I think Lamelo's got tremendous upside, but he also has a pretty low floor because yeah. because of the shooting and also the personality stuff. I mean, he doesn't. He and his brother, I don't think like they're problems. I don't think their personalities are problems, but they don't right. strike you as guys that are going to like stand up and lead you to a championship. No, I'm in. The, I I agree. We're in lockstep there. Like Lamelo has upside as a creator at the NBA level, and that's a very, I mean, coveted skill in today's game. But so is shooting, and so is being able to guard your position. Um, unless you're going to be like a Dame Lillard or a Steph Curry, where you can outscore your opposition. I don't know Lamelo is going to be that guy. Um, he kind of. I, I mean, this is probably doing him. I don't know. I maybe it might be doing the other guy. Like I see him more in the Ricky Rubio realm. Yeah. Minus the defense on the offensive side. And um, I think there's just been too many examples of guys, including Lonzo, of that makeup um, going in the top five and how they pan out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's there's guys that I really like toward the back half of the top ten. And like Isaac Okoro and Inyeka Kongwu. I just see both those guys as, those guys just play hard. And they play with yeah. heart. And they, they they struggle with shooting the basketball. Neither of them are great shooters. They're going to play defense. They're going to make their money there. And then if there's any, they both have upside on the offensive end. If they can achieve that, then you have a starting level player. I kind of like starting with that baseline of how many guys can you defend. And I think with both mm-hmm. those guys, the number is more than one. I it's more I than agree. one position. Especially with Okoro. Um, you look at him, and yeah, the shooting hasn't come along yet. I mean, the kid's 19, I think. Um, but you talk to all coaches, and Dwayne Casey says this: like shooting's the one thing you for sure can teach and get a guy better at. There's stuff like feel for the game, um, being able to create. Like I don't, that stuff's not necessarily uh, a teachable trait. Like that's more kind of just in the makeup of a player and in, 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 in one's mind and how they see the game and how they see the floor. And I think Okoro, athletically, he's as gifted as anybody in this draft. He is a good passer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good attacker of the rim. Like a lot of people, spe- specifically here in Detroit, like to compare him. They're like, oh, he could be another Stanley Johnson. I'm like, I don't know. I, I think Okoro finish, finishes better at the rim than Stanley. I think he's more explosive than Stanley was. He doesn't have the body Stanley has had at, in college and has now, but Okoro has a nice NBA body. And if you can get the shooting, um, he, he just has, he's not a one trick pony. Right. He's not just a physically gifted player. Like he can put the ball on the floor, he can make passes, he can defend. And you bet your money on that, especially if you're out of the top five, if you just want somebody that you know you're going to draft that's going to be in your rotation. It's just a safer bet. And same with the Kongu. Like, he can defend multiple positions. That's going to get him on the floor. And if this was 2002, I mean, he has great touch around the rim. He, It's not like he can't help you in, like, especially, like, pick-and-roll situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't shoot, but there's stuff he can do at a pretty high level that makes you feel confident that – at the minimum, he'll be able to be into your rotation in no time. 
Yeah, I understand the uh, the Stanley Johnson PTSD when you look at Okora. <laughs> like you just look at the body type, and you're like, oh no, we've done this right. before. Similar styles, yeah. <laughs> but I think that he's Okoro is is way more dynamic than Stanley Johnson ever was. So I, no, I agree. I wouldn't be afraid of that. So you have the Pistons taking Patrick Williams. Who do you like better between Okoro and Patrick Williams? Man, that one's tough. Um, when I watch Patrick Williams, and I, I've I've had a lot of time to watch a lot of film on these guys. Like <laughs> right. I'm no I'm no draft expert by any means, but the fact that my team hasn't played the team I cover hasn't played since March 11th or 12th or whatever it was, and me being pretty sure that the next time they would do anything significant would be the draft. I I, I dug in, um, but when I watch Patrick Williams he looks like a man amongst boys on the floor. Like he looks like, like he's almost built like LeBron. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm not mistaken, that shows how bad my memory is. We just did this mock draft on Friday. We got together and write it. I think he's only 18. Uh, I don't even think he's 19 yet. If he is, he just turned 19. Yeah, I think Uh, that's right. Yeah. He he just turned 19. Yeah. Okay. So he just turned like recently, like within the past couple months, I think Mm -hmm. if, if that, um, and he has a nice touch. His, his his stats in college weren't great, but you saw enough stuff. He had a nice three point stroke that suggests that it could transfer. Um, he's a great screener and cutter, and I think that's stuff that's underrated in today's game, especially when everything being so playmaker and creative heavy. Like guys that are effective with and without the ball, and he seems like a guy that's going to be effective without the ball because of how he moves, his knack for finding space, and just his ability just to leap over guys. Um, defensively, he's not a great one-on-one defender, but he's a great help side defender. Um, excuse me. And Okoro is a guy that I think, I think his upside might be higher because he has a lot of the stuff there aside from the shooting. Like I've had a scout tell me that if it were up to him and a scout of NBA team, um, not picking in the top 10, he said, if it were up to him, he would take Okoro over Edwards. He would rather Mm -hmm. have, um, he know at least you know Okoro's going to be fine on one side of the ball, on one side of the court, and the other half is just him developing his jump shot. Mm-hmm. Edwards is just a few too many questions on each side, um, so Okoro might have more of a high upside. Um, but I think Williams, if he reaches that potential, just how he looks, I think could be. I mean, a splendid pick as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Patrick Williams has like really good pedigree as well. He came in last year uh, as somebody at Florida State that everybody thought would be a lottery pick, and it's taken him a while to get there. But he, I think, he's firmly a lottery pick now. And I mean, he could go as high as seven. I mean, he's he is rising up a lot of draft boards, and he fits Detroit the culture that Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver are trying to build now. But even that, just that Detroit fabric that is synonymous with the franchise, like that's. Patrick Williams and Okoro too Mm -hmm. Um, but when you watch Patrick Williams you really see like you could envision him playing in Detroit so Troy Weaver is still relatively new to the team what are your what are your thoughts on his vision where this team is headed you said this team has a lot of needs what are your what are your thoughts on on Troy Weaver at least so far um no nonsense guy he's here to really nice guy had a chance to grab lunch with him um, he took the the main beat writers out when he around the time he first got here just to talk about something other than like 
the the interactions that come with the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice guy. Seems like no nonsense. Knows what. There's confidence in himself. Confidence in his vision. Um, excited to kind of. It seems like he's excited to get going running the show, but it, it seems like. He, he doesn't have the pressure of this being his first time, just obviously because of how important he was to OKC and all their their success. I think he that confidence kind of overrides that anxiety. Yep. Um, but I he the Pistons want to be competitive next year, and what I I'm trying to figure out what competitive means. I don't think that they want to be Philly bad. Yeah. Um, which is like 10, 15 wins. Like, like there's just no advantage in that anymore with the new draft odds. But I don't realistically i just don't see if competitive means fighting for eastern conference playoff spot like that's just out of the realm of, like that's just not going to happen mm-hmm. um just with this way this roster is and how this free agency class is and how this draft is i would just be very surprised if they could build a team that's that fast like it's just not it's just out of the cards um but what i do think he means by competitive is a bunch of guys who are going to compete every night young guys Maybe they get some veterans through free agency who are going to fight for the eighth seed. If it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, just to have a product out there that's at least people can get behind. Um, and, I, and I like that approach. I'm not like a big tank guy. Uh, but what I do question is this is next year's draft the draft to be bad. Yep. Um, there are about seven guys. Sam Vecini told me this. We were talking the other day, and he was like, "There are seven or eight guys in next year's class who could, who would probably go first this year." And for Detroit, I think they've the last year or two they've done a good job of getting some interesting young players. Um, you look at obviously Luke Kennard's been there longer than that, but if he stays healthy, he's a good young player. Sekou Dumbuya was the long, youngest player in the league last year. Svi Luke shot forty percent from three. Bruce Brown is kind of like that. Um, Marcus Smart type, you you hope he develops into that. Um, so there are some interesting young players, but Detroit's kind of missing the face of the franchise for the next five years. And um, if you mess around and you get in the playoffs next year, maybe you miss out on that talent. Um, there's other ways to build a roster, of course, but Detroit doesn't really have many assets and things that other teams want to go for that home run trade. They used that on Blake Griffin a few years ago. Um, so I, I, I question how serious they're going to try to compete. That's why I've always thought free agency was going to be the tell-all sign of exactly where the direction was going to be Mm because they do have cap space and they have a chance to put together a team that could fight for the playoff spot. So I still hold firm to that, that once we see what they do in free agency will give us a better idea of what the next year or two might look like. And then you factor in Christian Wood, who I'm pretty sure they're going to try to bring back and who is worthy of bringing back a good young big man that's – encompasses everything you want in the modern day big Um, but even with him I still just question if there's enough around him and some of the other pieces to seriously get a playoff spot but time will tell and they have money to spend so funny a name that you didn't ever mention Blake Griffin is on this roster what (laughs) yeah (laughs) what what are they going to do with Blake like what's what's the thought process there right now I mean, talking to some people, they, I mean, Blake is healthy from all accounts and they think that Blake and Derek can help them win, which seems to be, again, falls back in line with being competitive. I'll say this for Blake. People are always quick to write the 30 year old who's always injured off and say that he's, he's done. And I mean, 
we won't know until he gets back out there. But what I will say is Blake is one of those rare breeds. I've, I always challenge people to name me another player who gets injured as much as Blake does, but always comes back and becomes an all-star or all-NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very unique. Like I can't think of another one, and I haven't dug too deep in the research, but off the top of my head, no, no, no other name has really popped up. And so I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. He's still only 30, 31, and two years ago he was one of the best 15 players in the NBA. The way his three ball developed, and last year he in his limited games he didn't shoot it well, but he had a knee injury, and you could tell he just wasn't getting the lift. I, I I still there's still part of me that thinks if Blake comes back healthy, and he shows that he can play at an elite level still, that he probably will get traded just because one, again the Pistons are not in the position to compete for anything substantial even with him on the roster. And two, they need assets. And if you can get something interesting back for Blake Griffin, who only has two years left on his deal, I know people talk about his contract, and there is a lot of money um, on a year-to-year basis, but there's only two years left. I could definitely see a team that's trying to compete, trying to win now, making a making a move for two years of Blake Griffin if he shows he's healthy. And I, I just think that that's kind of the – the Pistons is out for that contract is him coming back healthy, whether they're, I mean, the, the dream scenario would be he comes back healthy. He's playing like an all-star and the team still is 10 games below 500. Right. Um, then that makes that trade easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. And if he can prove to be healthy on a 38, almost $39 million expiring deal, then you can probably find a landing spot for him in the last year yep. of his deal. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's, they say they obviously you're gonna you're not gonna say publicly that yeah, we're gonna trade Blake Griffin or Blake Griffin's not gonna he's just not that kind of guy where he's gonna say I'm I need to be out. I yep. think there's an understanding that if he's healthy and he if he wants to go and they say something behind the scenes and I, I don't think there's gonna be an issue with wanting to trade him if all parties agree on that route. Yeah, and it's just it's it may be a favorable year to try to trade him because it seems like everybody wants to compete. You hear about the Atlanta Hawks wanting to compete, and you hear about the mm-hmm. Knicks wanting to compete, and every single team in the Western Conference wants to compete. And you sit back and you're like, really? Have you guys heard about the 21 draft? <laughs> like, what's going, what's going on here? Like, why, why are you saying this, Atlanta Hawks? I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't you want to just get one more guy in there? And right. a, a lot of that's ownership push. I get that. but Yeah, I mean, for the Hawks, you've been patient this long. Like, what's one more year if you can get another right. guy that could be a, the face of the franchise? Yeah, like this This isn't, This isn't. shouldn't be the draft you want to end on here, guys. Like, don't, for sure. don't do this now. <laughs> uh, let's finish off on this. Who is your favorite guy in the top? Top 10 of this draft. Oh, man. This changes every day. <laughs> um, so I guess let's add parameters. Who do I think – who's my favorite in terms of I think they'll be the best player or who's a guy that I just like am confident is going to be a solid NBA player or both? Oh, give me both. Give me both. Okay. Who I'm confident will be a solid NBA player, I think it's Okongwu. Yeah. I just loved what I saw from him defensively um, and his ability to, to guard the pick and roll and, and disrupt shots at the rim. And just as I'm not worried about his height. Like I think he has the perfect size for like a modern day big. Um, I'm, I really just think he's going to be a, a good NBA player. Who do I think will be the best from this class? There's uh, Okoro possibly. Yeah. Um, I could see Pat Williams. I could see Killian Hayes. RJ Hampton's a guy that I think, it's just so raw and young that like he has the stuff you can't teach that I think if he just continues to play more and, and, and put it all together and get NBA experience, like he could be a beast. 
Yeah, I know that wasn't one. I'll, let me try to. I, I'll go with. Uh, and there's Tyrese Halliburton, who I, I kind of is like the guard it's version of Kongu yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I'll, I'll go Okoro. Yeah. Just because I. Yeah, I like everything he has except the shot. I like that pick too. It's funny you're exactly the same as me because I'm mortified to pick Anthony Edwards, uh, Lamelo Ball, or James Wiseman, even though yeah. they're likely to go in the top three. I'm like I, I cannot commit to saying that one of those guys will be the best out of this class. I just have a feeling that they may not be. No, and I'm at to me like I could see why Minnesota would take a gamble. Like they're not in the position. Yeah, they could make. Obviously, I, I would assume they want to make the playoffs to keep cat happy happy right. but they could risk gambling on anthony edwards charlotte if lamello ball is there if i and i'm charlotte i'm taking lamello ball sure um but if i'm golden state i can't afford to miss if i can't trade the pick like if i if i have to make the pick and keep the guy i don't think they have to get somebody that can contribute i think they're just not deep enough and they have a window yep um so i mean D- danny avija's kind of staring me in my in the face mentally right now as i forgot to name guys i like him if his shot can come around and yep. he might be able to be more helpful right away and then there's obi top and like i would you be surprised if golden state had to take a player and got obi Toppin, who probably could win rookie of the year might not be the best player four or five years from now but could definitely be like a rookie of the year player i don't know yeah it's, it's interesting yeah definitely i mean obi Toppin's gonna come in and be crazy productive and everybody's gonna be yeah. like, he went seven how did that happen <laughs> right but he's i I agree with you that he's a guy like he he's not like kenneth farid but i think his career could be like kenneth farid's and that it's like uber productive at the front part and then everybody figures like oh this guy can't defend so yeah we're okay just flatline yeah I agree. Yep. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We have No Dunks, House of Strauss, plus a dozen other team-specific shows uh, like my show, Down to Dunk. And don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for new episodes and utilize the podcast episode comment section. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck. You can get our shows ad-free, plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price of $1 a week. Just go to theathletic.com slash daily ding to get that promotion. Thanks for waking up with us. And James, we have all of our guests say ding ding. So if you could just say ding ding for me. Ding ding. <laughs>